Full Gear 2020 is being touted as the best pay-per-view of all time in the Twitterverse. Here at IWP, do we think similar? Stay tuned to find out. The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tyler006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going on this fine Sunday night? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I think I'm recovering from from last night. Um, and uh, yeah, let's let's talk about this pay-per-view. Are are you suffering from the so-called full gear fallout? It's a hangover of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> I I spent some time on Twitter last night and the the amount of marks out there talking about how amazing, awesome pay-per-view of all time, you know, the it, it, I just, I, I didn't watch that same pay-per-view. I don't know about you, but I was watching a different pay-per-view. It was good, and it was great, but greatest of all time, let's pump the brakes there, people. It wasn't that good. It had its moments of what the fuck's going on. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see how this conversation goes today. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was bad. It definitely wasn't like, bad. Like you said, it, it it was pretty good. I don't know. I just, I felt myself very confused at many moments throughout the night. Just kind of why things were happening, decisions that were made. You know, there were some mistakes, but you expect that it's not going to be perfect. Of course. But I don't know. I, I I don't know. I, I can't tell if it's me having a lot of expectations because if you guys heard our Friday show, then like like you you just hear in our voices how pumped up we were mm-hmm. for this and we had very high expectations and then to not get that is kind of a letdown, but you said that you watched a little bit again. I maybe I have to watch it again to yeah. get the appreciation. But it, if yeah, I, 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 I did. Go ahead. If I hadn't rewatched a certain match, this podcast, this episode would be very, very ranty. And you know, I, I've changed my mind a little bit in in my opinions of one specific match, and I'm sure you can guess which one I'm talking about. But we'll get into it. But I, I still don't see how this is, this is definitely, no, I'm not even going to say that. To me, Double or Nothing was better. Overall, from start to finish, Double or Nothing was a better pay-per-view. Was that because yeah. our expectations were so high? Maybe. Was it because Boston Pizza delivered my pizza 45 minutes late? Maybe. But... 
it is what it is, and our opinions are 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 our opinions. But we'll get into that. Yeah, I mean AEW should be able to overcome any sort of Boston pizza mishaps. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> uh with that being said i do have some special breaking kayfabe news that i'd like to talk about so let's get right into that so some news broke out um last night basically like while the pay-per-view was going on um, for everybody who did watch full gear last night, Justin Roberts introduced Cody as Cody Rhodes. And it was a big deal and the crowd popped hard for it. And even Cody seemed pretty happy. And then he goes on to loses, which, you know, begs the question, will he, st- I talked about it on Thursday that, professionally he's not going to be known as Cody Rhodes. He's already branded himself as Cody, but that's not what this news is really about. What the news broke was, is that a deal was made between Cody AEW and the WWE. And that deal being that WWE would give up Rhodes, Cody Rhodes. If AEW gave up bash at the beach and other WCW brands that WWE had let slip through their fingers that AEW picked up. So there was essentially a, a transaction made here. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the deal being made? Was Rhodes really that important to give up, you know, something that was as popular as bash at the beach for AEW? Um, I'm interested on your thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm just hearing about this like right now. So I don't have a lot of insight into it. Um, On the surface, I think that Rhodes is, it's important to Cody and Cody's important to AEW and the way AEW has been conducting themselves is they're a family and I could totally see TK doing that for, for Cody. I don't I don't know how important it is to AW per se, but I also don't know how those other trademark trademarks are. Like uh, are AEW fans fans of WCW, would they even know what those are? Right. So I'm not sure. Like I I mean I wasn't a big WCW fan, so they don't really matter to me. For sure. And I'm sure a lot of kids, um, you know, we'll call them the new generation of wrestling fans that are getting into AEW, don't even know what Bash at the Beach really was. Do they even understand the importance of Bash at the Beach being, you know, it was Bash at, Bash, Bash at the Beach 96 where the NWO was formed. It was the big Hogan turn. Like, it's an important part of history. Um, I mean, me being a WCW fan, I guess it means a little bit more to me, but if I'm to be objective here and think about the whole picture, I do think that Rhodes probably means more than Bash at the Beach at this moment. So 
I mean, overall, I think it was a good deal. I think it's uh I think it's a good thing for Cody. I mean, he seemed to relish in that intro last night. Uh we'll talk about it a bit more uh, a little bit later. But um it's interesting that he lost the first time he's named Cody Rhodes again. And uh I wonder if they'll use that. You would hope that they would now, right? Like so you give all this away for it and then yeah, no, you know what? It's bad luck. <laughs> I was winning when I wasn't using it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not surprised that there had to be some sort of trade-off or dealing for this. It sounded a bit weird to me when we talked about this news initially that, you know, WWE was kind of just handing it over. That d- d- doesn't seem like them at all. Just basically canceling the trademark months after they you know, they did renew it. It, it. it did seem weird. So this is making a lot more sense. Uh, I'm curious to what other WCW era trademarks AEW had, because they said there was a few, but Bash at the Beach was the one that had already been used with AEW. We watched that kind of special episode of Dynamite late in December last year, or was it early January? I can't remember, but... Mm-hmm. um you know, what else was there? You know, I know WWE was already using Halloween Havoc uh, that we saw this year. What else could there have been? I, I, I don't remember. They've already used Great American Bash. You know, are they going to use Sold Out, which was an NWO pay-per-view? You know, there, there there's lots of options there, but I can't remember what they all are. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what WWE does with all these new acquired trademarks. So yeah, that was just a quick little piece of news that I wanted to uh, talk about before we get right into our full gear 2020 review reactions and we'll see who came out on top uh, from the predictions, which uh, were damn near perfect this this time around. So we'll get into all that next. So like we mentioned early, uh, just at the top of the top of the show here, um, this is being touted from many, many AEW fans as the greatest pay-per-view of all time. I'm hearing so many adjectives that say that this was by far pay-per-view of the year. They're expecting it to win a lot of awards and, and, and whatnot, you know, PW, PWI pay-per-view of the year. They, they feel one of these matches was match of the year and it's probably not the match that you thought it might be. You know what I mean? So I, I'm just, I'm super confused. And, and like we said at the top of the show, I watched a different pay-per-view at the time that full gear started, you know, we had a lot of hype. There was a lot of excitement going into this. I just didn't get what I wanted to get. Is that why it wasn't as good or was it legitimately not as good? I mean, I, I agree with you. You're, you're talking about match of the year. I mean, John Silver and Orange Cassidy had, an awesome match. I don't think it's match of the year. And I, I think that's the really the only one on this entire card <laughs> that could even be a consideration for match of the year. Uh, so I, I don't know what anybody else is talking about. I completely agree with that statement. Honestly, 
in all honesty. And we'll go into things more as we go from match to match. But Cassidy versus John Silver was match of the night by far. It had it had everything it needed to be. It was the cleanest performed. It was match of the night. So, yeah. But we'll get into things more as we go. Uh, the, the night all started at the buy-in with the NWA Women's World Championship on the line. Champion Serena Deeb going up against former champion Allison K. Uh, this is the first time a lot of us are seeing Allison K. Um, this is her AEW debut. Um, this was an awesome match, too. This was a very well-done match. Um, I can't say enough about these two women. They worked really well together. You could tell that they've had some history together and some chemistry. Things really flowed. And I thought they told a really, uh, a really thought-out story in the fact that Allison Kay is almost two times as big as Deeb. You know, Deeb really had to fight and claw for every little bit of offense that she that she uh, put forward against Kay and uh Kay played the big the big uh the big performer really well here. Yeah, I missed the beginning of this match and when I came back and I saw I'm like holy, I was not expecting her to be as big as she was. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, you can tell that Deeb has experience with a bigger performer and by bigger. If you haven't seen this, like she's, she's very tall. She's very muscular, um, and very agile for that matter. And, um, even though Deeb looked a lot smaller, I mean, she didn't look, um, out of place. And, uh, yeah, I thought this was a, a really good match. I, I had to kind of come and go as I was, uh, I started supper a little bit late. Uh, so I was kind of going back and forth and I, I missed some of it, but the parts that I saw were really good. The ending was, was fantastic. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't mind, uh, seeing more of, uh, Allison or, um, what does she go? What does she went go by an impact? It's like Sienna or something like that. And um, yeah, I I think she'd be a good fit in AEW because her Stalander, Nyla Rose, mm. I think they they would all fit into that kind of. I hate I hate to say this about women, but that heavyweight yeah. category. Yeah, they're they're the big strong competitors. You know, if you were to right, that's a, a better way to. That's yeah. what I should have said. I apologize. <laughs> Chris Statlander forgives you. Um, yeah, this was an awesome finish. Uh, I love this submission move that Deeb does, where she kind of hooks the arm and then does this half crab. It looks painful. Um, it's the second time we've seen it. She used it on uh, Layla Hirsch. Um, but uh, probably the moment, probably the moment of the night honestly was thunder rosa comes out after deep wins she's holding up the belt thunder rosa makes her return to aew now i haven't heard anything if this is like legit for sure official is she hashtag all elite we haven't heard yet maybe they're waiting for dynamite for an official decision or or to at least announce it but it seems like um 
you know, on the surface, it, it, it seems like maybe WWE is out of the running here. Um, she is at least still in a working relationship with, with uh, AEW uh, coming up back out to, you know, stake her claim that she will per uh, maybe challenge again for the NWA women's uh, championship that I, I feel like maybe WWE is out of the picture here. Yeah, I, I feel like it wouldn't make sense otherwise unless you're just getting kind of paid for a performance of, you know, showing up. And I, I don't know how often wrestling promotions do that. But yeah, you'd have to say that this is at least about NWA or mm-hmm. or AEW. And man, I, I would love if she was in AEW. Um, for me, this was like, yeah, probably tied for first pop of the night. I'll talk about the the other one I popped hard for, but yeah, I was I was super excited when when she walked out, and I mean, I guess we we haven't seen Deeb too often, but I I I just had this feeling I'm like she's she's sticking around the ring too much, yeah, you know, like she's standing there just a little bit too proud of herself. Something's gonna happen. I have to say I didn't expect Thunder Rosa, but I thought maybe someone was going to run in and then like we were going to get our feud. Right. But uh, this was better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, So it should be noted. We both picked deep in this situation. And uh, you know, as, as I said, deep did win with that awesome submission. Uh, So for those of you keeping score at home, it is one, one. Um, This moves into the main card. And surprisingly, I think this was a mistake. I really do. But surprisingly, the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament Finals goes on the show first. Um, this is Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. Uh, I remember when the entrances were were coming out, you know, going on, we kind of said to each other, like, oh, this is kind of surprising that this match is first, but I like it. You know, we're kicking the show off with a bang. But then, you know, if I mean, I'm going to say this a lot tonight, but if I can be completely honest, this match was not that good. It wasn't the amazing five-star, six-star Kenny Omega match that maybe we were expecting. Um, it had all the ingredients to be that great of a match. We have the rivalry between Omega and Hangman. That was amazing. We got Don Callis, Impact, EVP, and Booker on commentary. You know? Uh, it just, it had everything big pay-per-view feel opening match. It should have been better. It should have been better, but it was just really okay. It was just a good wrestling match and maybe that's me wanting more, but yeah. What, what do you feel? You, why, why do you think you feel that way? Like, what was it about the match? Just nothing happened. This was a dynamite match. It, it, if you get my meaning, like there was no big spots. There was no holy shit moments. There was no, oh my gods. Um, you know, even, even some of that psychology that we were talking about in the prediction show where, you know, one of them has a moment of, is this really worth it? Do I need to hurt him like this 
would have just elevated this match to a certain level, but there was really no psychology in this match. It was just two great competitors wrestling very cleanly, I might add. Like, I'm not saying they were botchy or anything. This was a very clean match. It was it was hard hitting, but that was about it. I mean, I, I'm all about the sports metaphors. This was par for the chorus. Yeah, like I think one of the reasons that Kenny, it's been said that he's the you know best wrestler in the world, best wrestler you know in the last little while, is because of the emotion that he shows in the ring and how he can tell a story not just with the wrestling but with you know facial expressions and stuff like that and for me we just didn't we didn't get any of that and uh you're right there's no spots although i would expect there not to be a lot of spots in this one um like we've said well mostly you had said many times like you know hangman shouldn't be doing the you know, backflips off the top rope and, and all that kind of stuff. And all of that was kind of put on hold and we just got, you know, a good match. But yeah, we didn't get any of that, that story. Like this feels unfinished. If this is the end is like, it's too bad because they told the story for so long and it just mm -hmm. ended. It was anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, that's all there is to it. Um, I mean, with all that being said, it was a great match. It was a really good match. I would give it, you know, three and a half to four stars, which, you know, on a five-star scale, that's, that's really good. Um, it was very cleanly done. Uh, we both had Omega winning this. It just made more sense, um, you know, all around. Um, it's kind of how I felt uh, with picking Omega. Omega does get the win here. Um, there was a, I don't know, there was a few times he goes for the one-winged angel and uh, Hangman kind of sneaks out of it in the ending. He almost sneaks out of it, but uh, Omega clinches it in and puts it down. I thought for a minute just the way Hangman almost slipped out of it and it wasn't one of the most impactful one-winged angels we had ever seen, that perhaps this might be the first time someone kicks out of the the one-winged angel which i thought would have maybe gave another you know quarter of a star to this match it would have been a huge moment i feel like kenny would you know as protected as that move is maybe give that moment to someone like hangman it would have kept hangman looking really strong coming out of this loss but uh unfortunately that's not what we got but yeah yeah hangman's part of the dark order now yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think he went right to the back and got online and filled out that form. <laughs> he filled out the form, pulled it out of his dressing yeah. room trash. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, running tally 2-2. Two, two. We're, we're perfect up to this point. Um, as we move on to, I mean, like we mentioned at the top of the show here, arguably, at least for us, and I would love to debate with anybody about it, um, match of the night for me. I believe it's probably pretty close to match of the night for you as well. Uh, Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. Um, if you looked, if you looked at this card on paper, you know this is probably the low, the low 
point of the totem pole, but you kind of forget that the low part of the po totem pole is what keeps the whole pole standing up. And, and I think these two guys proved that with this, with this match, they performed the hell out of this. We got a ton more psychology from some new aged indie guys, uh, you know, compared to a lot of more experienced wrestlers on this card. I thought this match was absolutely great. I have to say, I love your analogy with the, the totem pole. Totally makes sense. Um, I mean, Orange Cassidy, John Silver, they've, they've been the stars lately. Uh, maybe unsung heroes, we'll say. I like the way they did this match. I like that John Silver really took it to Orange Cassidy. And um, because he's the, you know, the the little guy with the, the huge muscles. I loved how he was constantly going to the crowd and flexing and, and all of that. And showing that he's like a much bigger guy than Orange Cassidy. Um, yeah, I mean, these guys are so athletic. They were selling for each other really well. They had me believing in it, and that's all we want in a in a wrestling match. I thought they killed it, and um, yeah, for all these people that that think all these different ways than maybe we do, the one thing I'm not hearing is the reasons why, right? And, and that's the you know what what do you call them the smart marks or whatever is you can go and say. You know, yeah, this match is the best. But if you got no reasons to back it up, then then you it really means nothing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you got anything else to say about this match? Uh, <laughs> I just thought there was no real high spots, but I mean, John Silver was very very impressive in this match. Um, I know Orange Cassidy probably weighs like 140 pounds soaking wet. But for a guy of, of John Silver's stature to hold Orange Cassidy above his head in a single-handed gorilla press, I, I was super impressed. Like, I was very, very impressed by that. And it didn't even seem to phase him. I wonder if he could probably pull that off with someone a bit bigger than Orange Cassidy yet. But, uh, yeah, John Silver was very, very impressive. We We were already expecting huge things out of Orange Cassidy. We've seen it with his trilogy matches with uh, Jericho and and that match against Pac is really where it all started back at Revolution. Um, we've seen what Orange Cassidy could do. I feel like this was John Silver's kind of coming out party. And uh, yeah, he knocked it out of the park on this one. This was a spectacular match. Uh, with all that being said, uh, we both had Cassidy on this one. Cassidy sneaks out the win after hitting... Um, I think it was like his third or fourth attempt at the orange punch going right into beach break. I think beach break is probably the move uh, in the company right now. I think it's, I think it's a sweet move. It's quick. It can kind of happen out of nowhere. There's not a, there's not a lot of setup to it. Um, I love those kind of finishers and uh, it looks devastating. And, uh, again, and John took it really well. Yeah. And John took it really well. And I think he took it off the wrong hip too. Yeah. I think, Orange usually brings their head to the right side, but he was on his left side uh, on this one. And uh, that just goes to show it's a great finisher. It can happen multiple ways. Um, you know, much like a, 
a cutter or an RKO and, and stuff like that. They can just kind of happen out of nowhere. It's awesome. Right. So moving into one of the um, other kind of really high spots of the night, this match was absolutely tremendous. This is the AEW TNT Championship match. Cody, the champion, going up against the challenger, Darby Allen. Um, it was uh, b- during the build, this very, very short build to this match, it was uh, really ingrained on us that this is Darby's fourth opportunity at Cody. Never mind the a, uh, the TNT championship. So there was a lot riding on the line. Um, the first match went to that time limit draw. That was our introduction to Darby Allen. I've been a fan of his ever since. I thought he killed in that match. Um, and then we go into the rematch. Uh, I think it was around this time last year. Um, Cody getting the win on that one. Um, then we got the AEW, uh, TNT championship tournament match. Again, they met in the semifinals. I thought this was Darby's time at that point. Uh, but unfortunately Cody wins again. Um, to me, there was no doubt that they give the belt to, to Darby on this one, uh, leading into our predictions. You thought the same, but tell us why you ended up picking Cody on this one for those who didn't get to hear the prediction show. Well, pause the show right now. Go back and listen to that one and <laughs> get sure, my sure. reason why. Uh, no, um, I can't remember. We didn't pick in this order that, that we're doing these matches now. This order That's was true. the order that they happened last night. So I think this pick was actually a little bit later, like one of the last few that we did. And up to that point, we had been picking very much in a similar way. So it's not a lot nicer when we have a winner and i felt like this was the the match for me that i thought could really go both ways to me this wasn't a a huge um stretch that you know cody you know could win this one i I think it's possible that it could have went that way Mm -hmm. um in my heart of heart i didn't feel like it would but if if we were going to get that swerve i think it would have been this match maybe the chris jericho mjf wasn't probably the next closest one that was kind of iffy but um i thought it was this one so i i took the risk you gave me two to one and um didn't work out in my in my (laughs) favor but uh, I thought, you know, with the bonus points, you know, maybe I would I would make that up if I if I lost. For sure. But yeah, a heck of a match. So yeah, let's talk about this match. Uh, Cody really playing the big man role in this match, I thought was uh, smart. We've seen it before, of course, but uh, I just feel like this was even a more motivated. Cody than we'd seen in uh in the previous Darby Allen matches against Cody. In the previous matches, Cody really played this um cocky, almost taking Darby a little bit lightly. Where in this one that we saw last night, Cody knows what Darby can do. And that was part of his promo that we heard on Wednesday on Dynamite. It's just like, you know. We know what you can do, and TNT would be proud to have you as their champion, but I'm not going to let that happen. And and I think we saw that 
in this match. Cody had a motivation to him, and man, did he beat the living piss out of Darby Allen for at least three quarters of this match, if not 90% of this match. You know what I mean? Like, it was a beatdown. Yeah, and uh, I I think half half this was Darby selling and half it was legit just because he was getting tossed around. Those 14 extra pounds just, you know, made all of the difference <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Commentary did a good job of reminding us that Cody's 14 pounds of pure muscle heavier than he was before. Yeah. I had Cody I, looks good, man. Like he's huge. He's yeah, huge. He, he's an absolute giant now. Uh, he definitely has uh, put himself in position to be that heavyweight contender. Is how they kind of put it in the storyline. He's definitely there. Um, I had some bonus points on the line in this one. I made a pretty bold prediction um, that Sting. You know, being that he paints his face too, he's very dark and mysterious, kind of hangs out in the shadows, much like Darby was uh, leading up to the build of this um, to this match. I thought maybe he would show up, not necessarily get involved, um, because I think that would might hurt, that might hurt Darby in the end, um, but at least be there cause a little bit of a distraction to Cody, which would lead to an awesome dream match between Cody and Sting, um, you know, later on. Uh, there was a moment, some moments getting close to the end of this match where Cody kept looking up to, you know, the upper decks. And uh, I was like, what, what does he keep looking up there for? Is he making sure everybody's in place? Like, well, what's going on here? I started to get really excited like this prediction might come true. Um Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure Tony Khan turned tuned into the show on Friday. He knew exactly what we were predicting, and uh, he had to make us all wait to to get this Sting reveal. So, to all the AEW fans out there and all the Sting fans out there, I'm sorry, it was Tally's fault. Sting didn't show up at full gear. I know there was a lot of disappointed people um, on Twitter. Where was Sting? Why did we get so and so? We'll talk about a little bit later instead, and. Uh, so yeah, I apologize. Sting didn't show up, but needless to say, do, do you think that do you think that this was a planned ruse? I, it could be. So the Darby sitting up in the the nosebleeds, and Cody looking up to the skies. Like, do you think they put a, that much thought into it to to try to throw us off? Because I'm I'm sure they're aware of what people are talking about online. I definitely do think that, um, are they that smart? Probably not, but I know Tony Khan is. So perhaps, perhaps, um, before we go into the, the next match, even though that one's going to be a quick one. Um, what do you think about this Cody Arn relationship? Is, Is this, is this part of Cody's character or is this a story? And are we going to see anything happen with this? Cause I don't know about it anymore. It's, it's kind of been teased for a long time now. It's pretty much been since the pandemic era where Cody doesn't really listen to Arn anymore. He kind of goes his own way. Arn has to play this like pissed off coach type character on the side. But they're just not paying it off. So I don't know if it's if it's forgotten and they're just kind of going, just reacting to the situations live kind of on the fly. 
but um it, it's getting old like i'm almost like just fire somebody or quit like Arn, something's yeah gonna like with i, <laughs> I want to see cody like talk back to him or something get some story i want to maybe Arn's trying to get somebody else or i don't know but maybe Arn's character is going to become more of he's on the sidelines for everybody with his Denny's menu. <laughs> yeah, you know, man. like he'll be out there with Lee Johnson, you know, yeah, you want bacon on your grand slam there, bud. And you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I would like to see Arn kind of be the coach out there for, for some of these younger guys like Austin and Lee Johnson. I think that would work out a lot. Uh, so Alan wins. There's this awesome moment where Cody presents the title to him. Uh, Darby kind of breaks down a little bit. Uh, one little tear rolled down my cheek. Uh, only Cody can make me do that. Um, but it was a really he awesome moment. Knee. He bent the knee. Yeah, exactly. It was the passing of the torch, exactly what we said in, in, um, in the prediction show. Uh, but this celebration was short, short-lived as um, Taz gets on the mic and cuts a, a very impassionate, no, that's the wrong word, very passionate uh, heel promo. And uh, we get the attack from behind uh, from the boys in Team Taz, FTW, on Allen and Cody. Apparently, they, they must have attacked Arn Anderson, too, because all of a sudden Excalibur mentions that Arn's being looked at by the ringside doctors. It seemed out of place, and they didn't mention it again. So I'm just hoping that, you know, Ricky Starks was a little late getting in the ring. Maybe he gave Arn Anderson the business. Hopefully Arn's okay, and he uh, <laughs> can order a Denny's Grand Slam once again soon. Um, but, yeah, right. I'd, I'd like to know what happened there because they didn't show it on camera, and they didn't mention it again in any form later on, but, uh, FTW really, uh, puts it to, puts it to Cody and then really concentrates on, uh, Darby Allen. Uh, there's a moment where they're dying on out Starks and cage kind of grab the TNT title at the same time. And there's a little bit of tension there, uh, kind of implement, implement, implying that both of them want to go after that specific title. What do you think of that? That that's pretty interesting, especially with you know who holds the title now, um, Darby Cage. That that's a weird matchup for me. <laughs> like if Cage doesn't win that, there's something wrong in the world. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to see Darby Starks. That that would be a good match. Um, I don't think Starks is ready to hold a title, but yeah. I mean, I I I. Did they have a match after the whole skateboard incident? Yes. Oh, okay. So they've they've already kind of paid that one off. Yeah. No, I I'm done with Starks and Darby. Like they they wrestled like four yeah. times and Darby won them all. It's done. Well, you know what? <laughs> I had a bonus point. FTW was gonna come out. It was not during this match. So that I mean, goes to show you how much I know. <laughs> It was close, but no cigars. Um, Essentially, Will Hobbs out out to the rescue. Um, To me, this is a definitive answer or the definitive answer that 
Taz has been looking for. Will Hobbs wants nothing to do with FTW or Team Taz. And, uh, you know, he's babyface for life now, pretty much. Absolutely. All right, let's keep the show rolling as we get into the AEW Women's Championship match. Champion Hikaru Shida going up against challenger Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero at her side. Um, This, this match was a lot better than the one at Double or Nothing. This was actually a very, very good match up until about the last two or three minutes started running a little bit long. You could tell that uh, Nyla Rose was getting gassed out. The kickouts just had no oomph to them anymore. Uh, I think maybe an audible should have been called during this match and ended it. Got into that ending a little bit earlier um, earlier in the match, but overall, this was a really good match, and it was a lot better than um, the other times we've seen these two work together. So that that kind of... um characteristic that we've talked about that Sheeta needs to work with uh somebody a couple times before the chemistry really starts flowing I think holds true here as we're seeing that you know this is the third or fourth time that these two have worked together in amongst tag team matches and singles matches between themselves uh this has been the best outing from them even though it did go a little long yeah I agree with that um I was I was a bit confused at some points on what was going on. And then you, you really saw it. There's one moment where it, it gets really, the camera gets really tight on Nyla Rose and you can, you can see that the, the, the gas is just not there. And, um, Shida was having a hard time with her selling, <laughs> forgetting that, you know, she's supposed to have a bum knee or whatever. And, um, yeah, I don't know why they kept this one going. Did they have some time to make up or um was it just planned this way? I feel like it it went too long. And uh I don't mind getting it getting the result wrong. For but sure. um I was so confused by by the ending of this and then it kind of then the picture started to become a little bit more clear after the match. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a moment where Nyla Rose has this match won. And I mean, I, it should be mentioned that we both had Nyla Rose winning this match. Um, I for you know you talked about that the Orange Cassidy uh, John Silver match was kind of a coin flip, or I'm sorry, the Cody Darby Allen match was kind of a coin flip. Uh, maybe the MJF Jericho match was a coin flip. To me, this was a real coin flip like this one really could have went either way but i had i had a good feeling that they were going to give the title back to nyla that they would do right by her character uh after hurting her character so badly at double or nothing that uh they would uh kind of try to re uh reinvigorate that that beast mode that uh nyla should have and i mean you talked about it in the prediction show having vicky at her side you know getting that mouthpiece that awesome mouthpiece that Vicky is uh more TV time that's the direction they should go and I agree with that however they went completely the opposite way and like I was 
uh, starting to talk about, there's a moment in the match where Nyla has this match won. We get the big beast bomb. One, two, and then Nyla picks, picks Sheeta up. And this is something that we've seen Nyla do, so this makes sense. But this backfires. I like that Sheeta does it back to her, which I thought, okay, mm-hmm. maybe that's the mistake, and that's going to hurt Sheeta. But it ended up being uh, Nyla's downfall. Uh, Vicky, after the match, Vicky v- visibly upset that uh you know Nyla wasn't listening to her um there was a very much of a whip the dog kind of effect here where Vicky's just verbally abusing Nyla Rose and you think that this is Nyla's breaking point to where maybe she turns on Vicky but no her tail goes down between her legs and she follows Vicky out i'm super confused as why they keep they keep doing this to Nyla Rose. I don't understand it. I'm very, very confused by this. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we both kind of had that reaction, but um, yeah, after we, after we kind of said that, I was like, well, you know what, if, if you're gonna take her character down this road where she's just not that much of a beast and kind of wimpy, then and that's the way you go 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 full with it and and show us that that's what you're trying to do instead of it just making it look like you're burying her right so yeah she gets the slap in the face from vicky and she almost seems like she's gonna talk back to her but doesn't so we we get this uh you know vicky dominant nyla's uh, submissive and we'll see where this takes us uh, um my initial thought is that we're going to see an awakening at some point and then Nyla's just going to destroy everybody i hope that's where it goes because i don't know what else you do with a Nyla character it uh it would validate everything they've done with Nyla you know since since taking the title off of her you know what I mean? It would validate everything. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, AEW's known for their long-term storytelling. So, uh, you know, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. We'll uh, we'll see how this goes. But as of now, it is it is confusing uh, uh, on how they're treating Nyla's character. But we'll see. We'll see. So yeah, they're they're wait they're waiting for Britt Baker to take that title, eh? Maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, November so, 8th. I said it. <laughs> uh, we both had rows on that one. Both get it wrong. Um, the score as of now is four to three after five matches. So looking pretty good here for me anyways. <laughs> I mean, like with still a couple of uh, bonuses. In the bag, remaining, okay. yeah, yeah. I I think I'm yeah I'm done bonuses at this point. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. So I had no I had no no way to win. I watched the rest of the show and with sadness. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into the the polarizing moment of the night. This is 
This is the match that everybody's talking about. This is the match that all the marks are, you know, tweeting away about greatest match of all time. It, it It's funny how quickly they forget about Omega Hangman versus the Young Bucks. To me, that is still the clear cut match of the year. If that's your opinion, that the FTR Young Bucks match was better, that's good for you. Great for you. But to me personally, the one back at Revolution was way better and it had less build. It had less importance. To me, the FTR Young Bucks AEW Tag Team Championship match had so much on the line. It meant so much to everybody involved. This was four years in the making and they missed the mark. They absolutely missed the mark. And I, if I'm being completely brutally honest, at the time while watching it, my head was, my hand was on my forehead the whole time. I can't believe they're fucking this up. The first half of this match was so slow. It was, no, slow is not the right word. Timing was off. Knox was not in position two or three times. He really ruined the flow of the match a couple times. And the chemistry just wasn't there. That's my brutally honest opinion. The second half of the match got really good. It started getting some more, um, got to, got to get to that psychology a little bit more. FTR started really working on, Matt Jackson's leg. Uh, we got to see all those awesome double team moves. They were paying homage to all those great tag teams of the past. Uh, FTR really saluting the old school. Uh, you know, they were doing the Steiner brothers, uh, blockbuster bulldog, whatever you want to call that. They did the heart foundation, heart attack. And then you get, the Young Bucks paying homage to their kind of heroes being the Hardy Boys. They did the Twist of Fate Swanton uh, connection and then even did a Dudley Boys 3D. I thought that was really cool that these guys implemented showing what tag team wrestling means to them. But was that enough to make this a good match? No, it was not. Now, having said that, I did watch the match again today. It was a bit better the second time around, but it's still, to me, this doesn't hold a candle to the match at Revolution. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it was a timing thing. It was some mistakes. It, it just, it looked bad. And, and maybe that beginning left a sour taste in our mouths and maybe we couldn't appreciate the the rest of of what was going on i also thought that you know doing these tag team moves from you know part like tag teams that they looked up to or and respected or you know could do their moves <laughs> then you know like that that was a really good part but then just some weird stuff like is it uh Dax goes off and is getting taped up by the trainer. Mm -hmm. Like, is that 
is that a shoot? Is it a work? Um, confused. I've never seen this before. He wasn't, didn't seem to be bleeding profusely, but if it's a work, then I don't, I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. like what was he trying to accomplish? It's not like I would have, I would have got it more if it left Wheeler in there for like a long time and he was getting his ass handed to him, but that didn't really happen. No. So I, I was just left really confused for a lot of the match. I expected a lot more. Maybe if there was a crowd, this might've came off a little bit better where they could, you know, be looking at the crowd, you know, those times where like kind of right at the beginning that where they kind of, they're, they're, they're doing the stare off. And then, you know, normally you'd look at the crowd and, you know, are you guys into it type thing? And that just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Anybody who says that this was better than the young bucks, Omega hangman. I don't know. Have you considered tennis? <laughs> like, just watch some tennis. Wrestling's not your thing. <laughs> I enjoyed watching Nadal versus Djokovic much more than watching Young Bucks versus FTR. That, that that's a legit. <laughs> that's a legit thing. <laughs> that's a that's a strong statement right there. <laughs> there was more drama in that one tennis match than uh, than this match had. Um, no, I would, I would implore you. Did I use that right? I would, uh, I would suggest watching this match over again. It, it is better the second time around. Uh, but for me to have to watch a match twice to get what's going on, you did something wrong. You know, you try, I think you tried a little too hard to get the subtleties in there or, or, or something like um and then the fact the fact that it just ends clean i think really hurts ftr i don't think that was the intention but that was the result i truly believe that my prediction of you know tully making his way out there trying to get involved getting caught getting a dq you know, it, maybe that's not the finish that this feud deserves, but you know what? It keeps the belts on FTR. Young Bucks get the win. They get out of their stupid little stipulation that they put on it a couple weeks ago, and we can continue this feud a little bit longer, and we could get more out of this. You know what I mean? But... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Even think, Sean Spears could have been involved in this. Yeah, it didn't need to be Tully. This would have been a perfect time for Spears to insert himself into this uh, Four Horsemen uh, reboot, uh, or as Matt Jackson calls it, the Boar Horseman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I never yeah, heard that one, but I like it. Maybe like like we said earlier, maybe it was the hype we put on it. Maybe we just had our bar set a little too high for this, but uh, they missed it completely. It's like a pole vaulter going under the bar on this one. It just wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, and and we're saying the bar is Young Bucks 
Kenny and Hangman. And that's going to be tough to beat. So maybe it's a little bit of that too. If we're putting that as the bar, then man, I don't know. I don't know what's going to beat that. It, like if Young Bucks and the Lunch Brothers don't beat it, I like that match better than this one. Yeah, for sure. Um, for all for all those fans out there who think that this is match of the year, go back, watch Revolution, Omega and Page versus Young Bucks. Watch that first and then watch FTR Young Bucks right after. And tell me which match was better. Yeah. Watch. You know what? Better yet. Yeah. Say better it. yet. Go back. Monica Sellis, Steffi Graf. <laughs> and just forget 92. about wrestling altogether. <laughs> uh, that's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going okay. to say, watch FTR Young Bucks first and then watch the Revolution match after. Like, oh, okay. If you watch. Yeah, that's a good idea, these- too. If you watch e- either of these match matches side by side, there's no way you're you're staying on this match's side. It was not better. It was good. It was not great. It was not better. It's the last I'm talking about this. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> uh, needless to say, we both had Young Bucks winning this match. Um, so it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, and you had the uh, the bonus point for the DQ. You didn't get that. No, I did not. But I made sure that I I I was sure the Young Bucks were winning. It was um they handcuffed themselves. It was pretty obvious that they were winning. Maybe not so obvious that they were going to get the titles. That's kind of where I was going with that prediction. But uh, didn't get it. Well, you know, one last thing I just thought of is: Do these people? think this is match of the year if FTR wins. Is this because it's the Young Bucks? It might be. It seems like the people that I follow anyways on Twitter and they know who they are, they are the marks upon marks. They are the marky marks. Okay. You know what I mean? Like Marky Mark Markerson is their full names and um yeah, I think that's all it is. It's it's, it's a young bucks boner. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's some imagery. <laughs> all right, let's go on to the next match. <laughs> uh, this was the elite deletion match. Um, this was a match that we should have got a long time ago, but the unfortunate situation with Sammy happened. Uh, we go in. We this Sammy comes back. This feud is just cursed we'll say and and you guys all know what happened there but we're finally going to get the payoff that uh these two wanted to give us at least um it's the elite deletion match it's at the hardy compound uh we both had matt hardy winning this match uh in our predictions i had an extra bonus point going in that uh sammy was going to go into the laker reincarnation and kind of be reborn and maybe leave the inner circle and start following Matt Hardy around, kind of joining that little, uh, whatever you want to call it, little stable that Matt Hardy's got going with the private party. Uh, just overall, what were your, I'm interested in what your thoughts on this match were. Um, the start wasn't what I thought it was going to be. 
um, the kind of not even making it up the driveway and already, you know, Sammy's being run over by a monster truck. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was going to be in those iconic places on the compound where we saw in the YouTube videos, you know, before right. Matt Hardy came to AEW. Um, so I was expecting the, I think they had a name for it, the dome of something. The dome um, I thought it was a barn. Yeah, I thought it was a barn. So, uh, you know, the ring in the barn, I thought that was going to happen. Um, we do end up making it to a, a ring that is outside that looks like it was specially done for full gear, had the full gear apron and whatnot. And um, I was not expecting Inner Circle to show up here, especially not Santana, which right. we thought maybe was injured. Um, what did you think about Inner Circle showing up to this match? Well, if I'm being honest how this match started where Matt Hardy's on the phone. He's like, you guys are close by. If I, if I signal to you, you need to be here ASAP. And I'm like, inner circles getting involved. There, there, there is no question. And then when they do get involved, my idea of Sammy, you know, leaving the inner circle, that kind of flew out the window as well. I felt with that moment, I'm not saying it was bad. Um, I don't think it took away from the, this match at all, but uh, I think this this feud needed to be more one on one. I I I understand where they were going and why they did the things that they did, but uh, I wanted this to be a straight up one on one match. I think it would have gave that punctuation to the feud, uh, be a little bit more firm, a little bit more final, but. Yeah, I think if we went back and watched this, I think you actually see more wrestling out of Proud and Powerful and uh, Private Party than you do Matt and Sammy. Right, right. So there's like a lot of punching. There's the spot with the the trash can. And then when they get to the ring, it's really all about Proud and Powerful and, and Private Party. And then we had a... a you know, a good, uh, I want to say two to four minutes of a firework segment. Um, <laughs> what were your thoughts on the firework segment? I mean, this was hokey. This was just dumb. And I, I don't even know what they were trying to accomplish. But this was the moment of the match. I, I, I really tuned out. Um, I, I, I don't get it. What was the purpose? Uh, Matt Hardy's shooting these Roman candles or whatever they were, like 80 feet in the air. And then they put a camera on Private Party and Proud and Powerful, and they're in that ring just cowering. I mean, if you're going to cower and protect yourself, I've been hit with a firework. It's dangerous if it gets you in the eye, but I mean, they don't hurt. There was no reason. I'm, I'm sure that was an AW call, just insurance liabilities type call but it looked bad it looked really dumb i was not a fan of the fireworks yeah i i think um 
I think JR at one point t- says the word trenches. Yes. So I don't know if they were trying to go for this war imagery. Because uh, Sammy grabs one too and starts kind of shooting back. I don't know. I didn't get that part. I, you know, I, I might be missing something. Maybe this refers to something. Um, I, I don't know what that is, but I, I was a bit confused from this. Uh, from here, the boys leave the ring area. Proud and Powerful still going at it with Private Party. And Matt and Sammy end up making it by the Lake of Reincarnation. Is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we get some cameo appearances. Tell us... Uh, Tell us about the cameo appearances. So there was a there was a bad editing mistake here, and I mean this this was obviously filmed pre full. There gear. was a few bad editing. Yeah, there was. I'm pretty private sure private party was beside the ring and then started <laughs> running to the ring. <laughs> yeah, so it's not winning any editing awards, but there's a shadowed figure. He's cloaked. He's got hurricane hurricane helms tied up. And, you know, just the voice wasn't kicking in properly because he had this voice modulator on. There's that one point where it doesn't even come through and then it kicks on about halfway through a sentence. Um, so a little bit of editing errors there uh, and, and the ones that we, we you mentioned before. But uh, essentially, it's Gangrel. Um, he pulls the mask off. He's got the teeth in and everything. Uh Gotta admit, man, Gangrel's looking good for for uh, not be not seeing him for for many many years. Uh, but this this whole situation, this is this is uh, Matt Hardy's web series. Like having Hurricane tied up, they kind of go into a conversation where you know it's been two years, you know that he's been in captivity. Hurricane that being, like this is all part of um, Matt Hardy's web series kind of narrative. And I think in the context of this match, it gets lost on a lot of people. Like, I had to actually look it up to be sure that that's what was going on. And sure enough, it was. So, I mean, it is what it is. It was cool to see. Um, Does it elevate the match? Not at all. Yeah, I agree. So this is uh, when, when the cloak comes off and we see it's Gangrel. I popped. Um, oh, I popped too. Just Don't because, get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Thunder Rosa, Gangrel, these were the biggest pops for me of the night. Um, just because this takes me back. <laughs> What's that? Said so that's sad. That that just goes to show what this show was. If if those are the yeah. big pops, but go on. Um, I forget what I was gonna say. But <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, we we see it. We see Helms gets thrown into the lake. No, actually, we sorry, we didn't hear that. We heard it. Yeah, he comes back as a different character. Do you know who this character is? Shane Helms himself. Oh, just supposed to be himself. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, he, it, because he was acting like a reporter. I I didn't know if he was. Oh, it might have trying been. to be somebody. It might have been, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Excalibur just refers to him as Shane Helms. Which is his real oh, okay. his real name and stuff. So, okay. Um. So from from this little 
point on, I, I think um, the rest of the boys ended up making it by the lake here. And a, and a scuffle ensues. And Sammy and Matt end up in the barn. Or the, the dome of... The dome of deletion. Right. And uh, Neo shuts the door so the, the other guys can't get in. And now it's the one-on-one yes. that that we were expecting. And and I think I think what would have made this match a lot better is if we would have went from the driveway, the monster truck spot, the walking all the way down, and then this part here, but maybe a little bit longer than it was. Do all of the rest of that stuff after. Like that would have been cool stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, after the match, then he runs into Gangrel, the whole spot with with Hurricane, that maybe would have maybe worked a little bit better. But what did you think about this ending in the Dome of Deletion? To me, this was the best part of the match. And if they would have just, like like you said, if they would have just did this for 15 minutes instead of just five at the end of this wacky, wet dream of a movie, <laughs> it's a... Uh, Whoa. Weird horror movie. Your imagery tonight is just. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else is it? It's just a. It's I don't know. It was a Mark's wet dream, is what it was. Um, yeah, I suppose. But this this fight in the barn was probably the best part. I like that Sammy's taking the taking the ropes off and and hitting Matt with the turnbuckles, uh, the turnbuckle hooks, um, the the ladder spot. Uh, you think it's over. Sammy's going to get the win, but Matt kicks out. And then from here on out, this is Matt Hardy getting back at Sammy for everything Sammy did to Matt. You know, he does the power bomb off the ring through the table. Sammy cracks his head open on the on the concrete. I thought they pulled that off really well. It was the the best edit of the whole of the whole mini movie. Uh, it looked really good. It, They just did it right. That's how you should have did it kind of thing. And then we get the chair torpedo into the forehead. And um, there was a third spot. I can't remember. But uh, anyways, Matt gets the win uh, outside the ring. Uh, one, two, three. And then it goes off the rails again with this putting them in the trash can and, and wheeling them out into the truck and getting senior Benjamin to, to drive them away. I don't think that was really necessary. I, I kind of get what the imagery they wanted to go with, but, uh, and Sammy's Sammy's selling it. Like he's on Twitter tweeting out. I don't know where I am. You guys, I need help. So I wonder if they're going to continue this on, on Wednesday where Sammy's still out in the woods in the Hardy compound somewhere. And he's lost and he's on this journey to get back to Jacksonville or something. I think that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> but in the moment, that part was kind of dumb. Yeah, I I think too that they have to keep this going a little bit. Like maybe the garbage can ends up in Jacksonville and this is where we see Sammy again getting out of the garbage can. I like your idea though of, you know, maybe, maybe he... he gets out of the garbage can and then it pans over and we see we see Benjamin and he kind of like smiles and then gets in the truck and drives away 
you know, like something like that. That would be cool if they like maybe had shot it today or something. Um, I'm I'm really concerned about private party. They they look like they 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 might have thrown their backs out trying to get that garbage can in the back of the truck. They they look like they were having a tough time with that one. I doubt Sammy was in it. But I doubt Sammy was in it. Best sell best sell of the night was, was that like, right there. It was like John Cena lifting the stairs. Yeah. Uh yeah. Matt Hardy, as I said, gets the win on this one. Um we both get a get some points here let's move on to the co-main event this was jericho versus mjf if mjf wins he's gonna be a part of the inner circle mjf uh we both pick mjf to win this match uh like you said this was kind of a coin flip they could really go either way with this one um this match was was the i mean after an hour of you know, the tag team match and this elite deletion match where we're kind of tuned out. This match finally brought brought me back in and, and got my attention back on on the show. This was um one of the better performed matches of the night. We actually had some psychology going on in the ring. Uh, all their moves really meant something. Uh, and it started right off the bat with this, uh, you know, attempted handshake. And uh, I believe it's MJF who just kind of swats it away. Or was it Jericho? I think it was Jericho. MJF presents uh, not, the hand. Yeah. I, MJF right, presents right, the hand right. and Jericho just goes right into the fight, uh, which culminates at the end of the match when Jericho reaches out for, for MJF. So I thought this match was really well performed. Uh, everything meant something, like I mentioned before. And... Uh, really accredited to getting me back into this pay-per-view because at this point after three like i said three kind of confusing confusing matches uh this brought me back yeah like yeah i you know we paid some money for this thing and i had been surfing the web for the last hour because i just (laughs) i wasn't into it uh but when it's Chris Jericho, you're going to pay attention and they kept my attention. I really, I really like this match and, and I, I love the ending to this, this, I, it's the, the swerve and then throwback. Yes. And you can talk about this better than me because I didn't even realize what the throwback was until you mentioned it. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, Damien, you're an idiot. (laughs) So, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. But you, you tell us how, how it ended here. So, I mean, essentially this match was going back and forth, back and forth. They, they did a really good job. Like I said, selling us the story. And then there's a moment where MJF does the big arm swing. Wardlow comes from the back. Um, Jericho's got Aubrey distracted for whatever reason. Uh, Wardlow hands MJF the ring. And then you think we're going to get that, that ring spot. This is MJF's to win. Aubrey gets distracted by Wardlow, runs across the ring. Hager's on the outside, throws, uh, throws the bat. I forget what the bat's name is. I forget. Doesn't matter. 
It's like Melvin or something. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say like, Thatcher. come back to me. I can do better. Yeah. <laughs> <Thatcher>. um, <laughs> uh, Hager throws Jericho the bat. Uh, all while Aubrey's uh, back is turned and the throwback being uh, MGF flips off Jericho. Falls down. That causes Aubrey to turn around and it makes it look like Jericho has hit MJF with the bat, even though he didn't. Um, this is a this is an Eddie Guerrero staple. He used to do it all the time, where he'd hit a chair against the mat, throw the chair to the opponent, and then fall down while the while the ref wasn't looking. And then he'd always give a wink to the camera. The camera guys always knew what to do, and they would get a close up of his face, and he'd be. <laughs> no one saw what I just did, but. <laughs> <laughs> But it was done perfectly. It was done perfectly. I forgot that we're on um, that we're on a podcast here. We're not doing YouTube anymore. But yeah, no, it was an awesome moment. Uh, while while Jericho's pleading his case to to Aubrey that he didn't hit him, MGF gets the roll up. Uh, one two three for the win. Um, the reason this ending works so well is that. You know, the whole story was that MJF didn't have the killer instinct to be an inner circle. And MJF's answer is like, I will do anything to win this match. And, you know, he had to resort to the to the lie, cheat and steal tactics of Eddie Guerrero to get the win. So everything about this fits, um, as I mentioned before, this leads to kind of a stare down between MJF and Wardlow, uh, Jericho and Hager. Jericho kind of breaks the ice by extending his hand. MJF uh, accepts, shakes. You hear kind of on the camera microphone, welcome to the inner circle. Uh, they go up to the stage. All four of them have their arms in the air. It was a really cool moment after a really spectacular match. Um, match that really saves saves this pay-per-view from being kind of a stinker. Hey, I mean, if we're being completely honest here, this is what brought me back into, into the show. and. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I this is co best match of the night. I think uh like Orange Cassidy, John Silver, technically really, really well done. This one maybe not as technical, but just just top notch. Always Jericho. MGF is awesome and the ending was superb. Jericho's bat's called Floyd, by the way. Floyd, that's what it was. I knew it was yeah, a boxer, I but I had Tyson in my mind. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. He's feuding with Tyson. <laughs> oh, yeah, Floyd. That's right. Yeah. All right. We both had MJF on that one, so we both get an extra point there. I believe the score at this point six, is 7-6. Seven. Seven uh, as we get into the main event of the evening, this was one of the most anticipated matches of the night. Uh, for me, um, this is uh, John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston in an I Quit match. The build to this match was the best I've seen in years. I was super excited about this match. And if I can say, I think the fact that the the Sheeta-Rose match was confusing, the Young Bucks-FTR match was kind of so-so, and the fact that the Hardy-Guevara elite deletion match was was just, what the fuck? is the only thing that really made this match seem as good as it seemed. As I watched this match back again earlier today, 
it, it really wasn't as good as as I remembered it being the night before. But it was still, you know, one of the better matches on the card for sure. But again, we were kind of expecting certain things to come of this match. I remember in the prediction show, I was talking about how brutal and bloody I thought this match would be. And I mean, it had its spots, but it was nowhere near that bar that we had set for it. But again, it, I, yeah. I, I remember it being a really like, I, I remember liking the match the night before, but maybe that's because of the rest of the card was kind of shitty. So, um, right. Right. I, I agree with that. I think that probably was, um, yeah, I was, you know, like this was not as good as Moxley Brody Lee. I right. thought that match was better. I was expecting it to be that or more and probably more just because it seemed like there was more of this sort of bad blood and, you know, um, Kingston was going to, he wasn't going to say I quit and he was going to do everything to take the belt home to mama. And I didn't feel that angst there from Kingston. Mm -hmm. This felt very robotic. And then at times it was almost like he was going a little bit insane, but he didn't play that more. I, Cause I kept thinking, I'm like, Oh, here comes the mad King. Like he's just, he's going to go to this different place. And then, it would kind of come and then it would go and yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I spent most of this match following John's wife on Twitter. She was <laughs> hilarious in her tweets. Yeah. Um, she couldn't watch the match. Johnny was, Johnny was bleeding a little bit. I, I like the, uh, so yeah, like not terrible. Um, I, I just had really, really high expectations. So, I'm not going to trash the, trash the match. It just wasn't what I wanted it to be. I like I like what you what you said there about there was no angst in Kenny in Eddie Kingston. You know when we when we talk about the uh, mankind versus Rock match at at Royal Rumble, I quit match. It was constant. You know, are you going to quit? what do you say mankind? Like they were asking him after each big spot and he, you, you, you heard the desperation more and more and more every time they went back to him, you know, after the 10th chair shot, you know, rock had a mic, the ref had a mic and the rock would grab it and then put it into mankind's mouth. And he would no. And then, you know, it would be 10 more chair shots. No, <laughs> you know, it, it built the suspension to the final payoff to where they finally had to just play a recording of mankind saying, I quit. Not saying they needed to go to the lengths that uh, WWE did in 99, but we didn't get that interaction with anybody. This was more of a submission match. If anything, yes. it was a submission match with, you know, hardcore rules. This wasn't an I quit match in, in in my definition of an I quit match. We were missing that interaction. Yeah, Remsburg was there in their faces, but there was no, I don't know, output to the crowd or to the uh, TV audience, us being at home, that that's what was going on. So I was kind of missing yeah. that point. And then, and then, yeah, it just kind of ended all of a sudden. It was just, yeah, okay, I quit. 
barbed wire. I, I think what would have. <laughs> yeah, I think what would have been better was if they had the mic, and John is like really putting the screws to Eddie Kingston, and every time he gets asked if he's going to quit, then he has some, you know, one of his quick responses to it. Right. I think that would have made it better. I feel like the Cody Darby Allen was more of a quit match. I quit match than this, <laughs> you know, the end there where, where Darby's just like give up already. And yeah, like that, that was more of a, I quit match feel yeah. than, uh, than this. And you're right. It, it turned into kind of this submission and, I don't know. The barbed wire thing was goofy. You know, Kingston rips the piece of barbed wire off and then, I don't know, kind of doesn't use it very well. And then John ends up doing the same thing. I don't know. No, I know it's exactly. I, I just said I had way higher expectations. I mean, it, it's like, it's like we said with the tag team match, uh, you know, we were, we, in the, prediction show we talked a lot about the rock mankind and just what's going to beat that you know mm -hmm. it's going to take something really special this wasn't that special especially especially when you remember a year ago at full gear 2019 moxley versus omega in that lights out match that's what this should have been times two that's what needed to be done and like you said, they missed the mark. They missed the mark. It was yeah. this was a dynamite TV hardcore match with a submission stipulation. That's all it was. It wasn't an equipment. So I yeah, understand. I, I wanted. We what? needed mouse traps. We needed mouse traps. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have mouse traps. <laughs> In the match, it's not even considered an I quit match. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's the run through. We both had Moxley retaining the championship. Um, final score, eight to seven for me. I only had the Rose match wrong. I missed all my bonus points this this time around, though, which was uh, a little disappointing. I usually get one or two bonus points a pay-per-view, but... Uh, I was a little off the mark. Like I said, I think Tony's listening to the show and uh, he's sick of me being right all the time. But uh, again, one one match off of a perfect pay-per-view. Um, essentially, you had the same thing. Uh, you kind of changed to Cody at the last minute. So, I mean, we can't, I can't sell you short on this one. Uh, you're, you're right there. All your picks were, were right on. And I like that. If you guys did listen to the prediction show, we kind of had different reasons to pick the people that we picked. So it's not like, it's not like we were just picking the same to be the same or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I am actually pretty shocked that we were this close. I thought, I thought for sure we'd have a couple different here, but, yeah. um, I mean, it goes to show you really how important a lot of these matches were and how we saw them story wise. So, yeah. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah. When's the next one going to be? Speaking of the next one, Revolution is scheduled for February 27th, 2021. Um, yeah, it's exciting. They got uh, 
they got three pretty much three full months to to build this one uh it's going to be spectacular they have um there's a pretty high bar revolution was a pretty decent uh pay-per-view this past year so they they have something to shoot for like I said, they, they I, I think they really missed the mark on a lot of these matches. The pay-per-view wasn't as good as I was hoping. Like on paper, this was a 10 out of 10 type pay-per-view. And I think I think it was only a 7 out of 10, you know, execution. Um, maybe even 6. But uh, it, I'm not saying this was a bad pay-per-view. It's just it didn't live up to the expectations. And, um, you know, that kind of hurts as a fan when you have such high expectations and they're not met. And uh, we're allowed to have those opinions. But with that being said, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Remember, you can catch uh, our weekly episodic podcast every Saturday on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Peace out. And we'll see you next Saturday to cover Dynamite. Peace out. Peace out.